I started to do my talks a little different way. And I want to explain a little bit just because, uh, you know, it's kind of ironic, but I've I, I realized that I don't think and work in a linear fashion. Like, I'm more like picture and stuff. And so uh, I have this. This is my talk. I just want to show you what my talk looks like. There it is. So if I seem confused at any point today or I get lost, show me a little grace. Because like you, I've had a number of everything because I've, I've, I've lost my steps. I've lost the way that I should... And I'm just risking, okay? I'm trying to step out. God bless you 15 times. Okay. But I'm trying to step out here. So if I get lost or if I pause, it's only because I am lost and I need to pause, okay? Now, I want to start with a, a, um, a, a video. But as I downloaded the video, for some reason, I couldn't get the, uh, where's the mic? I'm gonna need the, I couldn't get the audio to work on it. You'll recognize the video, but I'm going to have to narrate it, Okay. I'm just going to have to. I'm sorry. This, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but you need to watch the video to get the message. It's the central message of the talk, okay? And the message of the talk today is that you are awesome, okay? That's the message of my talk. And so this is what the video is about. You'll see. You'll recognize the video. I need this mic on and my, my uh, Britney Spears mic off. Okay. Let me see it. Here we go. Oh, we're good. It's picnic time. It's a Publix commercial. We're going to go play soccer. Oh, boy. Here we go. All right, little guy, go have fun. I'm so nervous. Why are you nervous? It's his first time on the field. He'll be great. Come on, buddy. You can do it. Come on. Get up. Ooh, that was a hard fall. Nope. You can't pick up the ball. Oh, what's that, Jesus? Are you coming back, Jesus? Get up, get up, get up. Come on, get back out there. Go, 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 go. Oh, my gosh, not like the backyard. Whoa. I can't believe this. I'm a little embarrassed. I can go check on him. You okay? Did you see me, Gad? I was awesome. There you go. That's the end of it. Have you seen that commercial? Isn't that a great commercial? Man, I was thinking about that. Last night I was praying. That's what happens to me. I had never thought about using that commercial in a talk ever. I'm praying last night. I'm yelling at God. I'm angry at God. I'm pissed at Jesus last night. And that commercial comes to my mind. When that happens, you know it's got to be God. I mean, I mean, have you ever heard of a Publix commercial being? I mean, you can't compare everything with River State Church and any other church. But still, but that's how God works. And I kept asking, Lord, what is the message? What are you trying to tell me in that video. And, uh, and again, it's hard to hear God's words. Antley, you are awesome when you're really pissed at him. When you're really angry at God, it's hard to hear and believe that you're really awesome. And I, wanna, and I want us to think about that reality today. Whether you're angry at God or not, or wherever you are in your life with God or not, I think if I had to push one um, issue or agenda in the church. If I had, if someone asked me the question, and they do every once in a while, not that people really care about my opinion in the larger church's sense, but uh, if people ask me, what do you think the number one problem is in the church today, in the Western church? It's my response. This is my response. We don't believe we're awesome. We don't think, we don't believe we really are who we've been created to be. 
We really don't think we have the authority we've been given. We really don't think we have the power we've been given. And as a result, we've forgotten that we're awesome. And if you don't believe you're awesome, you're not going to do awesome things, are you? You're not going to take awesome risks, are you? You're not going to give to God in an awesome way. You're not going to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I want more. I want you to use me more. You're not going to believe that God has awesome things to do in you and through you. If we lived and acted like we're awesome, which we are, I'm going to prove it to you today. If we lived and acted like we were awesome, the church would be a different place. Was it awesome when Sam and Tannis went and started serving water and Bibles and prayer? If you look at the ministry, did it look awesome? No. It looked very simple, very plain. Two white people in the middle of a black community giving them what they already had and could have for free. But God was doing something awesome in them. They stepped out because they knew and believed that there was something awesome that God had planned for this community. And they were just being faithful and being obedient to what that was. If we really believed we were, we are who God says we are, the church would look very, very different. And life would be a heck of a lot of fun. It'd be so much more fun. Instead, we feel like the little boy on the soccer field. I just can't kick the ball. I'm always falling over. Is my dad watching? Is he disappointed in me? Is God upset with me? I'm always screwing up. I can't get it right. It's my first time on the field. God, just give me a break. When the little boy runs over to the father, he asks him this question in the video. He says, were you watching me? He says, yeah, buddy, I was watching you. And the kid says, I was awesome. And I think God's response to the question, are we awesome, is I'm watching you, and you are awesome. I think you are awesome. It's easy to forget, though, that we're awesome in a world that's filled with pretty people, with powerful people, a world that's filled with wealth that is constantly being shown to us as the standard. The church of Ephesus offered and demonstrated to the Christians the very same temptations that the Western world shows us today, that actually you're not awesome unless you look like this. Actually, you're not awesome unless you have this kind of power. Actually, you're not awesome unless you're doing these spiritual things. Actually, you're not awesome. And Ephesus, back in the time of Jesus, was a center of power. People, there's actually a a God there that people would visit as tourists because it was supposed to be so powerful. And it 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 was a financial power, it was a political power, and it was a spiritual powerful place. And the Christians in Ephesus had forgotten that they were awesome. They were and had been distracted by the awesomeness of the world and what they thought was awesome and had forgotten how awesome they were in Christ, had forgotten the power that they had been given in Christ. And we see this prayer towards the end of, kind of at the end of chapter one, that Paul's praying for the Ephesian Christians. And he writes this letter to the the church in Ephesus, and this is what he says. This is chapter one, verse 18 to 20. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or may be opened 
Remember that song? How many know that song? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Yeah, that's where it comes from, right there. You can thank Matt Redmond for that, but it was really Paul who sang that song first. Okay, moving on. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or opened in order that you may know the hope to which you have been called, the riches of his, of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he extended in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. And so Paul sees the church in Ephesus had lost its zing, had forgotten that they were awesome, and he prays to them, Father, open the eyes of their heart. Show them who they really are. I mean, I'm going to unpack that. What, what, what does it mean? I mean, what, what could Paul, what do you mean open the eyes of my heart? I see, I hear, my heart's connected to me. What, what does that mean? Well, literally, this verse means the eyes of your heart being enlightened. And we think of the heart as an emotional part of man. But in the Bible, the heart means the inner man, kind of like the mini-me. We better translate that into RCC language. There's a mini-me inside of us. It's our heart, okay? We each have this mini-me. It's like our heart inside of us, living inside of us. And this mini-me has, it includes our emotions, our passions, our joys, all the emotional components of who we are. But it also includes our mind and our will, our thinking person. And so um, the mini-me, the heart inside of us, is a living heart. And it's possible, it's possible for that heart, even though we see, we have ears, we feel in touch, it's, it's possible for the eyes of our heart to be shut. It's possible for the ears of our heart to be closed. It's possible for the senses of our heart to be numbed and shut off to the things of God. And we see this. In John 3, 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In Hebrews 5.11, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull. You have become dull in hearing. Was he talking about their physical hearing, like they're like literally going deaf? No. We're talking about spiritually hearing. He who has ears, let him hear. That's what the gospel tells us. He, was he talking to people? Everyone had ears physically, but he's talking about the ears of their heart. Let him hear. Open their ears so that they would hear. And then taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In Psalm 34, 8. And then 2 Corinthians 2. But thanks be to God, who, is in, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, is, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. That we would smell Christ. That we would experience God, the eyes of our heart, that God would open our heart in a way that we would experience him, that we would be flooded, our heart would be flooded with the reality of his kingdom so that we would see, touch, hear. It would not just be we think correctly about God or we only experience God. 
It's both and. God's desire, Paul's desire, is that we would be opened up. The part of us, the center of our being. That's what the Greek language kind of says. It's, it's the, our heart is the seat and the center of who we really are. It is, it is like the, I was trying to think of an analogy, and I couldn't, so I'm not going to try to do it now either. But anyway, it's like, it's not our, it's, it's like our core kind of, you know, but, it, but it's like it's the place where everything good, that, you know, comes out of. The power source, the energy, the substation within us, the brain center, you know? I mean, I don't know. You get the picture? You kind of going with me here? All right, I couldn't think of an analogy last night. Obviously can't today either, okay? And when our hearts are open, when our hearts are open, something happens to us. We see who we really are. We see how powerful we are. We see and remember how awesome we are. And that's why Paul prays for us. For our hearts to be open, because there's only one way that our hearts are opened, isn't there? Is it by working harder? Is it by reading the Bible? Is it by having more quiet times? Is it by going to church? Is it by doing more? No. The Holy Spirit opens the heart. Only the Holy Spirit. It's why we have prayer ministry. It's why we believe there's power in prayer. Every time we come forward for prayer, we're basically saying, even though we don't say it, God, show me your kingdom. Open the eyes of my heart. Come, Holy Spirit. Show me what's really real. Show me how awesome I am. Show me how awesome you are. Help me to experience your love. It only comes by the work of the Spirit. We can only see. We can only hear. We can only feel. We can only taste and smell God when the Spirit comes and opens our heart. And so prayer ministry becomes very central to River City Church, doesn't it? Worship, we believe, is a place that this happens. Testimonies talk of people's hearts being open. The word when we communicate it is all in the direction of God targeting your heart so that he can open it and you can see who you really are. You can see who he's really made you to be. You can understand the power that you have, the hope that you have. I think that when we see ourselves, as we really are, as we see, you know, and we see ourselves as God sees us, we don't question whether we're awesome or not. When we see God as he really is, we don't question whether we're awesome or not because that's how he created us in his image, to be awesome. And so when the eyes of your heart are open, you think correctly. You feel correctly. You think about God correctly. You think about yourself correctly. So if you have issues with your father or daddy issues that we often say when we teach in prayer ministry training where you're wounded from your father or an authority figure, it's because a part of your heart has been shut to the work of the Spirit, has been closed, wounded, or damaged. And you respond to the world and to God, and you don't see correctly. And we come forward and we ask the Holy Spirit, come open the eyes of my heart so that that wound can be healed. So we think correctly about God. So we feel correctly in our relationship to God. We feel and believe that he loves us. We taste and see and know that he is good. We can feel his presence. I mean, how many times have you heard people come and share about a life course weekend or share after a prayer ministry? I don't know what was happening. I just felt God's presence. I don't know what it was. What was going on there? Holy Spirit was coming and opening the person's heart to feel and experience his love. 
in a way that's real and tangible. And the result is when we see God as he is, we see ourselves as he is, as, as we are, we feel God as we were created to feel him, and we're experiencing him with our emotions, all of a sudden, we begin to live. We naturally live out of that in our awesomeness. We, we naturally begin to live life to the full. And so life to the full and pursuing a life that's abundant and full and exciting doesn't happen because we're having more Bible studies, we're having more quiet times, we're going to church, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. It's the work of the Spirit. It's not something we can earn. And we believe, we all believed that when we first came to Christ, didn't we? We believed that it was all Christ and not us. We saw the cross and be like, "Woo! I couldn't do that. Thank you, Jesus. And when we become Christians at the very beginning of our life, in our walk with him, we're like, God's amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Look, at I'm washed clean in the blood of Christ. I'm forgiven. I've made, been made pure. I'm hidden in Christ. I'm a new creation. And we believe all those verses, don't we? When we first become a Christian. And then immediately we start trying to live out the Christian life. And we look around us and we go, well, I'm not as good as that person. I better start doing what they're doing. I I better go to this church and do what they're doing. I better go to these courses and do what that person's doing. And I better start this ministry and do what they're doing. Because I just don't measure up. And we start this journey of doing ministry. And we forget. We forget how awesome we are in Christ. We forget the power that we have in Christ and what he's done in our life. And so Paul prays for the Ephesian church and for us. Lord, open the eyes of their heart. Open the eyes of their heart so that they would experience you. They would see you. They would see who they really are. They would know without a shadow of a doubt that they are awesome. Because you are awesome. Because what Christ has done for them to make them awesome is the most awesome thing that could ever be done. In the history of the world, what Jesus has done for us is what makes us awesome. And Paul sees this, he sees it not happening, and he says, and he goes on to say this in the rest of the verse. He says, so, Father, open their hearts so that they would know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his uncomparably great power for us who believe. I spent a lot of time kind of, because this is kind of like, open their eyes so that they would see this. Do you see that in the language of the, of the scripture? It's really right there for everyone to see. Open their eyes. Paul's praying, open their eyes, open their eyes, open their eyes. Not only so they would see, but so that they would see the hope. The hope which he has called you too, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And I spent, I started on this on Tuesday, so I'm trying to be free for Saturday football. I don't want to do my sermons on Saturday anymore. I'm just being honest with you a little bit. It's part of the reason I was mad with Jesus last night. But anyway, I'm just kidding. I had nothing to do with it. But um, I really looked into this and, 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 and I started studying the word hope. What does hope mean here? The hope for which we don't see. and all. No, it doesn't mean that. The hope here. Hope of his calling. Hope here is not as sometimes things hope for like we hear in Hebrews. Okay? 
but the principle of hope which God's calling inspires. Now imagine, if, I don't know what that means, okay? Does anyone, I mean, if you're really smart, you probably can understand that language. I'm going to read it again to you. But the hope here, the word hope here means the principle of hope which God's calling inspires. The principle of hope which God's calling inspires. Want me to tell you what it means? It's really cool. This is what it means. I didn't come up with this, any of this. I just read it someplace. But I tried to put it in language that made sense to me. Because if I can believe it and understand it, I think you could too. Okay? This is what it means. The fact, Father, open, their, open the eyes of their heart. Remind them of who they are. Ex- open, op- open every facility in their heart so that they would taste and see and experience the love that's been demonstrated on the cross. Will you do that, Father? Will you open them and show them how awesome they are? So that they would see and understand that they have been chosen, that they are unique, that they have been chosen by God, that they have been chosen and call him Father, that they belong to him, that he is our dad. And by the fact of us being called by that reality that our heavenly Father is our dad, that we have been chosen by him, that we're inspired to have hope in that reality. Does that make sense? So Paul says, open the eyes of their heart so that they would see who they belong to, who they really are, and that would inspire them to have hope in that alone and that the world would not be attractive to them, that other people would not be attractive to them, that they wouldn't believe any longer it's about what they can do it's about what Christ has done for them. That's what their hope and their life needs to be about. If they can just see that, Father, open their heart so that they would see that. And he goes on to say, in the riches of his glorious inheritance and his people, I'm not going to talk about that because that was even more complicated. And then ends with this, because this one's the relevant one. I think this is the one that stops us from being the most awesome people we can be. And he says, so that they would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Open the eyes of their hearts so that they would have hope in who they are and who you've made them, but that they would know that there is this power living inside of them that makes them different, that makes them unique, that makes them awesome, that they can do things that no one else can do. They can do things that the natural world will never believe that they might even appear like dunces and foolish people because of the power that is inside of them. And we ask the question, well, what power is that? What power do I really have? What power lives inside of me? And Paul knows that we question that because we don't live that way, do we? And Paul says, I'll tell you the power you have inside of you. It's the same power that the king of the universe used to raise his one and only son from the dead. That's the power that you have living inside of you. The power over death lives inside of you. The power for life lives inside of you. That's why you're awesome. Because the same power that our Heavenly Father used to raise His Son from the dead is the power that lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit. I mean, if that's true, we should be awesome. We should believe that we're awesome. But we struggle with that. 
Because like Ephesus, we see the world around us, and we feel like we just don't measure up. Last night, whenever I was praying, and again, I was, I was as angry as I've ever been at God, frustrated. You know, why do we continue to struggle with money? Why can't we find a bigger space to meet in? Why, you know, why, 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 why? And I could go on. Some personal, some work-related. And I'm journaling about it. I'm journaling about it. I'm praying, praying. And I, and I hear these words. I weep for you. I weep for you. And in my jacked-up, angry state, what I heard God say in that last night was, you don't measure up. I weep because you haven't, you haven't measured up to what I've wanted for you. That's what I heard last night. Now, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? That just sounds stupid. Like, how could, how, how could anyone think that? That, that? that God, he loves him. Why would God say that? To, I'm just telling you. I'm being honest with you. That's what I felt like last night. And I'm writing it down, and I'm like, I, and I wrote it like a bunch of times. Like, I weep for you, I weep for you. I'm like, I'm a piece of whatever. I'm horrible. You know, I'm thinking this. I've disappointed God. I haven't measured up. Why do we struggle with these things? Because of you, Antley. Why do we have these things? Because of you. Because of you. And I'm thinking all this. We're worshiping this morning. God breaks the silence, and he says, he reminds me of the story. This morning, he reminds me of the story of when Jesus is weeping at the, at the tomb of Lazarus. And he says, where's your faith? And I bet some of them heard them. I think some of them around, around Jesus that day heard him say, I'm disappointed in your faith. And when we read that scripture, don't we believe a little bit? Look at Jesus is disappointed in my faith. Jesus is disappointed in me. And I don't think that's what Jesus was saying at all. I think when they got to the tomb and Jesus began to weep, we know that he wasn't weeping over Lazarus because he was going to raise him from the dead. He's weeping over, where's your faith? Why don't you believe you're awesome? I weep for you, Antley, because you've forgotten how awesome you are. I weep for you because you've forgotten that I've made you like me. I weep for you, not because of what you haven't done, but because you stopped believing and who you are, and what I can do through you. I weep for you. And I think we all struggle with that from time to time. We forget how awesome we are. And we forget that Jesus weeps for us, cries out for us to remember that we are awesome, that we are amazing, that we are powerful, that we are filled with a love that has been demonstrated by someone dying for us. How dare we believe that we are not awesome. Each of us, awesome. And so this morning, we're going to move the chairs, and we're going to invite folks forward who want the eyes of their heart to be opened. We're going to give you a chance to experience God's love in a way that would remind you that you're awesome and that God weeps for you. So let's move the first seven rows of chairs and fill up this space.